You know, I was thinking about it. Things that are in our control. This illness is not in our control. There's nothing about it that we can control, but I'm doing my darndest to try to control it. When I do things for attention or when I do things because I I want to be noticed, which I guess is the same thing, right? I'm quite obvious about it. And I'll remember now when I worked at the radio station and I don't want to name drop, but this is my one and only chance. I got to interview a lot of great people. I interviewed famous people. I interviewed, well, he's so famous, I can't remember his name. He was Cooter from Dukes of Hazard, went on to become a senator. I got to interview him, Tommy Davidson, Christopher Titus. Oh, my very favorite comedian. My husband's name, his middle name is Christopher, and I've always told him that, you know, Wyland's middle name, is, you know, he's after you, but secretly it's after Christopher Titus. And I mean, and Tommy James, political people, Tim Kaine, Bob McDonald, governors and stuff of Virginia, people that had scandals, you know. I got to meet a lot of incredible people. Cedric the Entertainer, just as awesome as could be. So why in the world would I do something intentionally to lose a job that I so dearly loved? absolutely loved. And I'm thinking about it all throughout my life. It's kind of been like that. Now, you know, you're, you're doing that to draw attention to yourself, Christy. So stop doing it. And it's like one day they put these codes up in the station because, you know, when you're in there at six o'clock in the morning, nobody else is there and they didn't want people to be able to come in when you were on the air. So they put codes up everywhere. Well, rather than just send a quick little memo about how to go, it was this like three page memo about the codes that you have to enter. Well, I already had a code to enter to get up the elevator. It was the same code that you used at the pad and there you had it. So one day I was on there. I had a quick three minutes. I needed to run, use the restroom. I knew I could do it. I got out there and I kept putting my code into the pad and it wouldn't let me out. I could not get out to use the restroom. It was a horrific couple of hours because I needed to get out and I couldn't do it. Well, if I had just taken the time to read the three-page memo, which just seemed so long to me, I would have known that I needed to push the exit button, which was over to the opposite side of the door. Something that wasn't obvious, and I would have had to have read the entire memo to find out. I needed very simplified instructions. Push the code to get in. Look for the exit button that's hidden so not everybody can see it to get out. Instead, it was this long, drawn-out thing. Well, that's kind of the way it's been my entire life. I have a difficult time understanding things when they're too long. I'm now finding out that that's part of this illness, this neurodivergent thing, I guess. And little things that I was told I needed to stop doing growing up. Like if I had like an affliction of some sort. And I bring this up because... 
right now I've got something going on with my neck and it's embarrassing. It's just driving me nuts. But if I start getting stressed, see before when I was full of fascial adhesions, when I'd get stressed, when something would really mess with me, my body would tense up and I would go into full body spasms. I was hitting my husband going down the road with my arm. I couldn't help it. <laughs> he was having to hold my arm down. Then there'd be times he would have to hold my legs down because there was nothing I could do. My body just reacted that way. And right now, I'm having to rely on my neck collar a little bit more because it's just too much of a fight. But if I start getting a little stressed out or if something is happening that's not just right in my neck, I start twitching it a little bit. I start moving it. it. It's just something I can't stop. And I don't know what the word is because I don't allow myself to read every single thing this illness can do to us because I've got this little fear in the back of my head. If you read it, power of suggestion, it's going to happen. So I'm just like, I've lived with all this stuff all my life. I've managed. If there's nothing that can be done about it, just get through it. Because as a little girl, I got in trouble for little things like that. If I had little afflictions where, you know, my body would do things that I didn't want it to do and and or I would have things, I guess they call it OCD now or, or whatever, or I, I really don't know, but I know that something happens to my body and it's beyond my control and it's painful and it's frustrating. And if it could be in my control and I would be able to stop it, don't you think I would? I do anything in my power. And I get so afraid to bring some of these things up because I don't want to sound like a hypochondriac. And that takes me back to when I was in elementary school. And, you know, I relived it every day. I took my son back to that elementary school every single day until he left that school. When I was in the school cafeteria, the nurse, who was my favorite next to Miss Pettigo, our librarian, I absolutely love the school nurse, she introduced me to the new faculty member and I was introduced as the school hypochondriac. Well, I was just so impressed that I had a name. I was so impressed that she had a little nickname for me. It was many, many, many years down the road that I found out what hypochondriac meant. And now I couldn't find her to say my piece if I wanted to. But what a horrible thing to do to a child. And growing up, my mom would tell me I was lazy and this, that, and the other, and, you know, tell me I'm a hypochondriac. And so I've learned to, like, push things off to the side because I just don't want to draw attention to it. And my husband, and, you know, he was like, let's go out to lunch today because he had a rare day off. He had a doctor's appointment. <laughs> what a day off to go have shots put in the spine of your back. But... He's like, let's go out to lunch. Well, I didn't want to let him down. It didn't matter if I was dragging or not. I was like, let's go. And I'm sitting there. I put my neck collar on, and then my neck just starts doing its own thing. Like, in, I don't know, that Total Recall movie. Was that it? Where the woman's head starts going all crazy, the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, and her head ends up 
popping off and blowing up. <laughs> you know, your neck's just doing all these crazy things because that's what my neck is doing. It's like it has a mind of its own. So I put the collar on to try to stop it, but I'm starting to find out because I'm talking to a lot of individuals that are sharing their stories and coming on the show and I'm learning from them that this is part of this illness. And I'm not trying to make excuses and I'm not looking for attention by sitting there making my neck look like I'm trying to do a Linda Blair 360 or anything like that. I'm not trying to, to you know, get sympathy, you know, from my husband because it's doing that. And one thing that's really aggravating, and I know it is to him, he's like, I'll never be able to win another argument with you. Because the minute your body starts getting stressed out or something happens, you know, I just have to be quiet and, and you just you just win every time. And that really kind of pisses me off a little bit because it truly is beyond my control. And if it's within my control, please share it with me. Because I would love to know how to stop it. Does your body do that? I mean, it just, it's not a matter of, of being fatigued. It's not a matter. It just, your body just starts doing what it wants to. And you can't stop it. So I know the things that I intentionally do looking for attention. I know the things that I want people to be drawn to. Me looking like I have some affliction and can't keep my head still is by far not one of them. And for someone to think, that I would do it intentionally so that I could win an argument. Now, we've since gone past that. He knows that it's, you know, at this point, until somebody tells me any differently, that it is, you know, beyond my control. But it just seems like another thing that I could chalk up into the defeat part of this illness. But I'm trying to find the positive. I'm trying to find how it is I can mentally declare myself a winner when I start feeling so defeated because my body has a mind of its own. I didn't realize all of the things that I've just thought were personal problems because like I said, I was told I was a hypochondriac. I was told I was lazy, uh, you know, just looking for attention. All of that stuff hurts. And you remember it when you get into adulthood. And I'm not saying it's something that's just devastated me and I can't go on and anything like that. What it's done is it's made me think twice before I say something to my son because I don't want him looking back 10 and 20 years from now thinking, I'll never forget the day my mother called me that. Or I'll never forget the day my mother made me feel like that. And it's not a good that. I don't know, you know, 
if it's because we are more allowing individuals to speak freely more now, allowing individuals to share more now. I want to say that we're more accepting now. And and sadly, there are still so many discrimination issues going on in this world. But I told my husband yesterday, I said, you know, this illness isn't new. It's the fact that we are now allowed to express and be heard the things that we were shunned upon when we were growing up. When I was growing up, if I had had this issue with my neck that I'm having now, I would be told, stop it. You're embarrassing. You're just doing that for attention. Make yourself stop. If my stomach was really messed up and there were no rhyme or reason and I couldn't tell you which end I was going to be sick from, I was told that I was just lazy. That I could have gotten to the restroom or I could have done this. You know, little things like that. Being told that I don't care enough because I don't read and or listen to something that someone has shared with me. I honestly just sometimes can't comprehend it. My friend Jennifer does these uh, ancestry, not in, not ancestry. <laughs> Ancestry.com things every week. She does a prompt. Oh, that reminds me. I need to go check on her house, too. I've got to go get her mail in. But she does a story on a prompt every week about her ancestry. And she sends it to me, and I read it. And I'm honored that she sends it to me. But she knows I have a very short attention span. There are a lot of times that... When we get something from school, because our boys are in the same grade, I'll just ask her, please give me the highlights of that. Because I really just can't comprehend it. There are some things that are just too long when I read it. And sometimes when someone's talking, I just, I lose, I, I lose the conversation. Now I can interview till the cows come home. I can talk here till the cows come home. But when it's something that needs to be learned, or if someone's giving me instructions, unless they are visible, uh, visibly like there in front of me, and they are actually laid out, I'm finding that it's really hard for me to understand. There's a part of me that wants to cry because I know I'm not lazy. I know I'm not inconsiderate. I would give anything in the world. I would have given anything in the world to be able to get out of that radio station to use the restroom that day. It just was too darn long. It should have been code in, 
to enter, push the exit that's hidden, that little button, to get out. Instead, Dave had to go through all of this three pages of stuff to give me three lines of instructions that could have gotten me out to the restroom. I would have given anything. I just feel so grateful to be learning from other individuals that I'm not a hypochondriac. It's not me that is part of this illness. I'm learning, you know, that neurodivergent, and I'm trying to figure out, like I said, the word it is when your body just kind of just goes into something like, you know, to find out that, you know, I was allergic to food after I gave birth. When other people just said, I just didn't want to eat. I didn't want to eat hamburger anymore. You don't want to eat chocolate. You're just trying to be difficult and, and, you know, cause attention. You know, you're at a party and, you know, everybody's having a cookout and you bring shrimp. You're just drawing attention to yourself. No, I got violently ill if I ate hamburger after I gave birth. I still, there are foods I cannot, <laughs> I cannot eat. I mean, it was just a steady diet of chicken and fish. That was pretty much it after I gave birth. And the funny thing is that the foods that I could only eat are the same foods that my son could only eat the first years of his life. I'm not doing it for attention. I was doing it because I would get violently ill if I ate chocolate. We left a restaurant. I got this chocolate. Uh, it was death by chocolate, which felt like it by the time I was done. But it was a death by chocolate cake with Ghirardelli chocolate, with another chocolate, with Hershey chocolate, with this and morsels and more chocolate and chocolate icing and three layers of luscious chocolate. By the time I left the restaurant, the people thought that I was just some drunk woman unable to hold my alcohol throwing up in the parking lot, but it was because I couldn't eat chocolate. I wanted it so badly. But I didn't know that my body, I guess, had developed some reaction to it. So it's just a bummer when I think about all of the things that were said to me as a kid and even said to me in my later years after giving birth. I mean, my goodness, really? I'm trying to draw attention to myself by only, you know asking for shrimp at a cookout. I mean, seriously, do you think anybody is paying attention to me and thinking, oh, look, everybody else is having hamburgers and, and Christy has to have shrimp. No, I, I, I unwantingly drew attention to myself when I went in and, and used the restroom at my friend's party. This was the last time they invited us, by the way, now that I think about it. And I went into the restroom and I washed my hands and my hands get dry. Doesn't matter whether it's summer or winter and I have to put lotion on after. So I was in their restroom and they had this little pump bottle of lotion and I put the lotion on my hands and I said, well, that's got an odd little smell to it, but okay, I've put it on, but smells even bothered me, right? So I put the lotion on and I go back out to the party and then a couple hours later, everybody's looking at me because my arms are striped kind of orange 
and it was running up to my elbows. It was self-tanner. I had used self-tanner. Who puts self-tanner in their bathroom that they expect people to use and think they're not going to pump it? But I wasn't trying to draw attention to myself. If anything, I was quite embarrassed. But something like that, you know, an accident, I drew attention to myself. But having to ask someone to allow me a portion of the grill to cook a special food so I can partake in the festivities because I cannot eat the same food everybody else is, is not because I feel better than. It was quite embarrassing, actually, because I felt like I was asking for special treatment. But I brought my own food. I mean, we're already so hard on ourselves as it is. Are we not? I mean, we, we self-gaslight. We keep saying, oh, it's not that bad. It's not that. It's, it's, it's this. It's that. I just feel like I'm, I'm not so bad after all, you know? I try my best to keep up with things. Like when I'm reading Jennifer's ancestry stories, she knows when she sends me something that's five pages, it's going to take me, it truly, it's going to take me a couple of days to be able to comprehend her story as opposed to the two-page story that she would send me. And she knows that. I didn't know that about me. I didn't know that it could be a part of this illness, but it sure does make me feel better to know that I am learning that there are some things that are just beyond our control and they're not so bad. We just have to accept them and we have to learn to live with them. And if there are those in our lives that don't understand and or accept that, then I guess they can mosey on to the next person. We don't need them anyhow, now do we? I don't want to read the laundry list of everything that comes with what I've got. I know the pots, the gastroparesis, the endometriosis, the MACS, the, I mean, there's just every every few letters I mean I think every letter in the alphabet I've got something and I just don't want to know anymore and that's my ignorance because perhaps if I took the time to read more and, and honestly the only reason why I'm even really attempting to look more into what other idiosyncrasies and I don't even know if that's the right word and don't message me and tell me if I was wrong and if I offended you because I didn't mean to but I want to make sure that I don't do to my son what was done to me. I want my son to know that he's in a safe place. And luckily, he's as smart as a whip. He evidently didn't get that from me. But he's very focused. He's good to go. But I want him to know that if he has issues like I have experienced, that he can come to me and I won't be calling him lazy.
I won't be calling him a hypochondriac. I'm going to let him know that it's okay and it's part of this, part of this illness, and that we'll get through it together. And I just can't believe that I let all of that get to me all of these years. I allow people to kind of like just push me down and and make me feel less than because I I couldn't comprehend a five-page report. It's nice to know now that perhaps maybe I have a reason why. Now, I am going to do everything, like I said, and my daggone darndest to not let it bother me. Like, the only way I could stop my neck from doing anything was I had to sit down and do the podcast. See why I call this podcast my medication? I had to take my neck collar off, and I had to sit back, and I had to let my neck just stop (laughs) having to hold my head up. I just had to prop myself up with pillows just to give my body a chance to just breathe. I guess that's what I can call it. Just needed to allow my body the opportunity to not struggle. So yet another lessons in acceptance for me, another day in learning how to deal with this illness. And I appreciate sincerely you taking the time to share this with me. I look forward to hearing from you. Message me with your questions. Message me with your ins and outs of what to do so I don't do it. I love hearing from you. More interviews to come. Thank you for sharing your time with me. Christy Lynn Hanchi, AWOL Zebra. Have a lovely day.